Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Are we ready to praise the Lord? Yes. Hold on a second. Are we ready to praise the Lord? Yes. All right, I heard you that time. Amen. Well, welcome, everybody. Um, I see some new faces in the crowd. Welcome. Welcome, brother. Glad to have you here. Uh, everybody who isn't new, welcome as well. Those of you that show up week in and week out, I'm glad you're here. Glad our uh, our brother, uh, our new brother is here. Our, um, just praise God. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, if we're ready to, ready to praise him, let's uh, read some scripture and then we'll uh, pray and get into praise and worship. Amen? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen? Amen. We are conquerors. Let's, uh, let's be conquerors. Amen? Let's stand up, please. And we'll go to prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just praise you and honor you and we thank you. We thank you for our lives and for the opportunities you give us to be able to come together in fellowship and, Lord, to eat good food and be around good brothers and sisters. Lord, we just thank you for this evening and we thank you for, for uh, just uh, bringing us all together. Lord, tonight I just pray that you would uh, anoint us and, Lord, help us to all come into that sweet place of worship. Lord, we just uh, give you all the honor and the glory. Lord, tonight be with the message and be with each and every person who isn't here tonight. Lord, I pray that you just bless them and draw them back to us. We love them and miss them, and we just thank you for everything you're doing in our lives. We love you, we praise you, and we honor you. We ask for Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's standing. I'm here to meet with you. Come and meet with me. I'm here to find you. Reveal yourself to me as I wait. Won't you come and fill this place? I'm here to meet with you. Come and meet with me. I'm here to find you. Reveal yourself to me as I wait. You make me strong as I long. Draw me to As I wait, as I wait, as I wait, you make me strong as I long, as I long. Draw me to your arms as I stand, as I stand, and sing your praise. You come, you come, and fill this 
Lord, we praise your name tonight. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship your holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship your holy name. The sun
Lord, we thank you so much for all you've done and all you've given us. We praise your name tonight, Lord. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself Carried the cross, love so amazing, love so amazing, Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed be Sing it out. Manuel, the rescue. 
so much Lord that you're in the middle of all of our situations Lord there is nothing that is beyond the reach of your salvation there is nothing beyond the reach of your restoration Lord for each heart in this place Father just ask that we would be open to your spirit that you would you would let us hear you tonight Lord and that we would allow you to come in and do the work in us that you desire to do we thank you so much, Lord. We declare you God. We declare you King tonight. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted, you were condemned, I'm alive and well.
say that would bring you enough glory what can we say Lord that would really ascribe to you the greatness that you are Lord we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together Lord as part of your body and lift up your name Lord we look forward to your coming again we look forward to seeing you face to face Lord, we look forward to being in your presence forever. Father, tonight I just ask in Jesus' name that your hand would be upon our speaker, Lord, that your words would come from him, Lord, and would strike us where we need to be. Lord, that our hearts would be good ground for your word, that our ears would hear, our eyes would see, and our hearts would understand. We thank you so much, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I have a verse that the Lord has put in my heart. It's in John 14. Um, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he's telling them, um, do, not, do not lose, let your heart be troubled. He talks to them about him preparing a room for them, and, um, and that they know the way. And Thomas, is, Thomas says to the Lord, Lord, we do not know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And what I'm trying to encourage you, brothers and sisters, is that do not lose heart that the Lord has a place for you. And, and it was paid with his blood. Um, and if you find yourself lost or not knowing direction like Thomas, um, remember that Jesus is the way. And he will guide you to where you need to be in life and, and when he comes back to bring us to the room that he has for us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father God, we come to you, Lord. We thank you for making a way for us. We ask you to continue to guide us, continue to protect us, continue to watch over us. And to open our, 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 our minds and hearts to the word that our brother has for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Oh, I'm sitting here making all kinds of noise. Do you know I was making all kinds of noise? Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, all right, I feel refreshed. I love it when we get to uh, praise Him and sing to Him and give Him the glory. Um, I hope you do too, because it's 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 amazing. It's such a 
a place of peace. You know, and during this week, I can say I've had some moments of not peace. But praise God, I can come here on Saturday night and get some peace and get some perspective, get some fellowship, and get some good food, right? Amen. I've been looking forward to tonight because I've been eating a lot of processed food this week, and my body's like, yeah, I need real food. So praise God, I get to come and eat real food. Amen. All right. Well, now's the time that we invite our brother Sekou to come and break the word of life, but you also know what time it is, right? Yes, it's time for a question. My question tonight is, what did Ben Franklin say when he discovered that lightning was electricity? Nothing. He was too shocked. <laughs> oh. Some of y'all are at that age where you understand it. You have a set routine before you leave, and the things that you do, and if something interrupts that, then it's a hence now I gotta put this thing on. Um well, it's it's a miracle and it's a, a, a wonderful thing to be a part of God adding to the church daily, such as should be saved. Uh, well already saved, but they come here and they bring uh, their gifts and, and who they are and their personalities and their fellowship and all of that is a part of it. And so as God brings more and more people into this congregation, it's just a blessing not only to be a part of it, um, but to help in the edifying and the building of it, as well as being edified and built up by the various people in this congregation. Sometimes getting yelled at, um, but for the most part, it's get, yeah, I get yelled at. Sometimes I get the silent look. Say, cool, come on now. But it's, it's still wonderful to be a part of it. And honestly, this is probably one of the more realer church environments that I've been in um, in many years of ministry. And guess what? We're only, we're, uh, Kevin, we're only going to get more realer from here. So <laughs> uh, if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew, the eighth chapter, Matthew chapter eight. Today, we're going to be talking about um, a subject and. This might go on for a couple of weeks until um, God says, no mas, or he says, that's enough. Um, but one of the things that we're going to talk about is authority. And not my authority or your authority, but the authority of Jesus Christ and what that means for each and every one of us. In a lot of settings, we talk about the blessing of Jesus Christ, the sovereignty of Jesus Christ, the majesty of Jesus Christ, and so many different things. And Jesus is my friend, and I am a friend of God, and I'm not discounting any of that. But Jesus is still an authority. And how we look at that, and how we correctly look at that, can often frame and help our development from being an unbeliever to a believer, and a carnal Christian to a spiritual man. And that's understanding the authority of Jesus Christ and what that means for each and every one of us. 
today we're going to be focusing more so on the authority of Christ. But in the following week or weeks, depending, we will be focusing on what that means for us and also what that means as a church as we go out. So Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13, if you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not there, say amen. <laughs> Let's all stand in honor of reading God's word. Matthew 8, 5 through 13 reads, out of the New King James, um, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, no, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Father, here we are once again in your word, and we pray that it is your spirit in us that teaches us, speaks to us, and edifies us. Let it resound within us. Let us be able to not only understand it and move forward in it, but also, Lord, to be able to put it into practical effect in our lives and to show and help others to do the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, this is obviously a, an interesting scripture because here is Jesus not dealing with the children of Israel, but he's dealing with a centurion. A centurion is what? He's a, he's a Gentile soldier. He's part of the oppression. That would be like the church on the yard saying, let's go minister and help out a guard. And some people say that's what we should do. But some of us still are, you know, inside-minded, and we still kind of bristle at the idea of, why should I help a guard? Why should I help somebody who's in authority? But the reason why we look at this is, number one, this centurion had a revelation that others didn't. And it was based on his lifestyle and the way that he lived to understand who it was that stood before him. This is only used twice in scripture. One with the centurion, where God, Jesus says, great faith, I have not found such a faith. And the other was with a Gentile woman, who because of her declaration, Jesus says, wow, this is, I'm dealing with something that is uncommon. Two people in the four gospels, Two of them were the only ones that Jesus said, great is your faith. I'm taking off this watch. Might be one of those days. Um, they're Gentiles. They were Gentiles. The specific importance of the centurion saying what he stood or saying what he said is because he understood the authority of Jesus Christ. He understood the authority of Jesus Christ. And that is evidenced by what he said to him. You don't need to come to my house. 
All you have to do is speak a word. All you have to do is say, be healed, and he will be healed. And he broke that down by saying, I also am a man under authority, which means that somebody tells him to do something and he knows he has to follow orders. By the same token, he has people under him that if he speaks, then those words need to be followed. He understood authority. He had a proper understanding of authority, as do most of my uh, the members of this congregation that have had some military experience, no matter what branch, even if it's Space Force. Uh, <laughs> But they understand chain of command. They understand that if somebody over you speaks a certain word, it must be performed. They understand the people under you. If you speak an order or give an order, it must be performed. So they understand order. They understand authority. They have a somewhat proper understanding of authority. Most of us that have not been in military service or have been in the, uh, the other military, which we call street gangs or anything of that nature or punk rock, or even metal, we have a very defiant attitude about authority. Whether, the, whether it comes to our parents, whether it comes to the law, whether it comes to the man, whatever the case it is, we have a distrust of authority. And so because we have a distrust of authority and an internal nature to say, I'm going to do it my way, who are you to tell me what to do? We often apply that fallen mentality of authority to the authority of Jesus Christ, and then we struggle. But the centurion said, look, I understand your authority because I understand authority. That was huge. See, there's two words in Scripture that we use as Christians very often, power and authority. And sometimes authority can be translated as power, the word exousia which means to exercise authority or exercise the ability to command. But oftentimes we see the word dunamis or power, which is in scripture, uh, you shall receive power, dunamis, after the Holy Spirit has come across or come upon you. There are two differences, though, between exousia and dunamis. Dunamis sounds like dynamite. Indeed, that's where we get dynamite from, or at least a way of uh, the, the etymology of it goes back to dunamis, but dunamis is force, dunamis is ability, dunamis is power, it is strength, it is the ability to affect something with strength, but exousia is different, because it is the ability to speak something and it must be obeyed, there is a big difference, see when you go out in power, power can be fought with power, let me explain, you hear that rumbling that goes over this building every six minutes or so? It's usually a 737, a 777, very rarely a 47, but they're planes. And the bigger the plane, the bigger the engine and the louder it is because it needs more power in order to contradict the power that's working against it. If it was not adequate power to battle lift and battle forces and battle gravity, then this would be a very short service because the minute that that plane comes down on this building, church is over. So you would hope that it has enough power to battle the thing that it's going against. So as Christians, yeah, when we go out, we go out in power because something's going to be opposing us. 
But when it comes to authority, authority is different. The only thing that responds to authority is either compliance or disobedience. Think about that. To someone in authority, your only response to them is going to be to comply to what they told you to do or to disobey what they told you to do. That's it. That's why if you're in a job in leadership, um, in a job or, or like, for instance, on your job, you're a supervisor or a manager. I used to tell the supervisors that I was training, if you speak from the authority of the company, then there is nothing that people can do but comply or disobey your word. But if you try to show your power, which I had young supervisors that were still street-minded. So if somebody in the company decided to get a little uppity, they felt like, well, if I tell them what to do, it doesn't carry as much weight as showing them this right hook. And it's like, no, the minute you actually try to show your power, you're stepping out of the authority that you've been given. There's a big difference between power and authority. And the one who has authority also carries the right to enforce discipline on noncompliance. So when we read the scripture that says all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth, I want you to think about that. Authority is not I can go out here and tussle with the devil. Authority is I tell the devil what to do and he does it. That's the authority of Jesus Christ. And he has all authority in heaven and on earth. If he says it, then it must be done. And it's either met with compliance or disobedience. So it is important for us as a church to understand the authority of Jesus Christ like this centurion did. His confession of understanding the authority was met with the comment, Great faith. I have not found so great faith in all of Israel. That is extremely huge. If you show up, which most people thought, if Jesus showed up, he has the power to combat an illness or the power to deal with the mental problem or the power to make things happen. And this centurion had the revelation that, yeah, you got power, but you don't need to be at my house. All you have to do is speak. It doesn't matter how far away something is. Your word carries that much authority that when you speak to it, no matter where it is, it has to comply. Well, why do we think, why do we need to go about this with us? Well, number one, authority, especially with Jesus Christ, is about order. And authority sets things in order. Natural authority sets things in natural order. Divine authority sets things in divine order. See, the authority of man sometimes is our enemy, but the authority of Christ is something that if we understood what it was about, it would actually be our friend. It would actually be a comfort I read um, somebody was meddling a couple, couple days ago, and we started talking about, I think, the word commandment. And I never, I know what the word is. The Jewish word for it is a mitzvah. It comes from the word tzvah. 
I never looked at the word mitzvah. For some reason, in all these years, I never looked at the word. But when we think command, we think somebody is exercising their lordship over us and barking at us, telling us what to do. But the word zvah is giving somebody an opportunity to align themselves with the word. That's a big difference. He is respecting your agency as a person, even though he is giving you the word and giving you the opportunity to line up with it. I want you to think about that because we could look at his word as trivial or him just saying something, but in a second we're going to see just how powerful his word is. See, authority isn't exercised by me flexing muscle. Authority is exercised by one speaking. The minute I open up my mouth and say, James, this needs to be this way, I am now exercising authority and James now has a decision. I'm going to do it this way or I'm going to tell him he can take a long leap off a short bridge. But either way, that authority is exercised when I spoke and said it needs to be this way. I am speaking something that is setting in order a particular project or a challenge or whatever the case may be. Turn to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. This is going to be a challenge for Eric because this is, um, this is one of those messages that could go a number of ways because of the magnitude of what we're dealing with. And I don't want to, you know, obviously take more time than is allotted, but I also don't want to rush and then we miss. Because one of the main things about understanding the authority of Jesus Christ is that when we realize he is an authority over us, and he is an authority over our life, and that we can trust his authority. When we line up with his authority, we start to see the things that try to bother us and take authority have to bow down to his authority. Can I speak that in layman's terms? The things you're addicted to, the things that you're struggling with, the things that try to exercise dominion over you like for instance addiction is something that tries to exercise dominion over you by saying you need to do this you need to do that I want this right now and it tries to take authority over your life but when you submit and surrender to the authority of Jesus Christ that means now you're no longer given this authority that authority belongs to him and now if this thing wants to try and exert authority over you it has to deal with your master it's real quiet in here. <laughs> Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Now faith, which faith is believing in what God said and then acting accordingly. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the what? word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Before we even go down the long line of all the people who walked according to believing God's word, the whole creation lined up with God's word and is upheld by God's word. The whole creation. 
So before you think, well, Jesus just talks to me and it's unimportant, what he says not just upholds your life, it upholds creation. How far back does this extend? John, the first chapter. Some of us can quote it. I should be able to quote it because trying to read it with these contexts is just bothersome. In the beginning was the word. Who's the word? In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In short, everything that is here, Christ not only is a part of, he's part of speaking it into existence. So if we try to get out of line with the authority of things, the divine authority started with Jesus Christ in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form. I'm in Genesis 1, not 3. And, <laughs> and the whole earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. And the spirit of God hovered above the face of the waters. And he spoke, let there be light. And what happened? Can you imagine if light said, I ain't feeling it today? <laughs> I mean, you know, we're lights in the dark world, and sometimes we say that. But light itself, when God, <laughs> really meddling, light itself, when God said, let there be light, there could not be any other choice but for there to be light. And then to go down the rest of the chapter, what he started with was let there be and then created the process according to his word. And Jesus is a part of that. The problem started when God gave a word to man who had a choice, whereas light didn't have a choice. The earth didn't have a choice. Man had a choice. I know I'm messing with some, some doctrines here. He gave him a commandment, a word. Every tree is for you, except for one. You eat off that, you will die. He set the order for what man was to do and the consequences if man didn't line up with that. And what did man do? He chose based on deception and ate off the tree, and then set in motion a free fall of the wrong sort. Deb was supposed to preach on free fall this week, but she didn't let me know she was ready, so I'm filling in. But eventually that sermon's going to come from Deb. Uh, <laughs> how's that for being put on the spot? There was a downward spiral, and it all centered around man and woman. So before somebody says the muher, it's both man and woman that were a part of the downfall of everything. And if you read Romans, the whole earth is put into subjection because of the failure and sin of Adam and Eve. So what he gave us to be authority over now has to suffer because we failed. <clears throat> and I know we're supposed to be talking about the authority of Jesus Christ, but... Um, that's one of the reasons why somebody asked the question do not be many masters 
the painful part, you know, some people said, uh, well, like somebody called me the other day and we were talking about something. So I'm going to just start calling you pastor. Is that what you prefer to be called? What do you prefer to be called? I said, Seku. I prefer to be called Seku. One of the reasons why is I don't look at this job as something that I go, ooh, pastor, I have made it. I look at this job with fear and trembling at times because I recognize that if I take a wrong turn and I'm in a position of leadership, how many people suffer because of my maldoing? You fathers, think about that as you, I'm a leader of my household, okay. But when you eat off the wrong tree, you get your whole household kicked out of the garden. So before you try to <laughs> before you try to step into authority and speak out as if you have authority, you better recognize the weight of authority. Or what they say in the military, the burden of command. Because Jesus' burden of command was, I gave them an order. They did not fulfill it. They're going to reap the consequences. But I love them enough that I will go down there and pay the consequences for them. I will fix my household. That's the beginning. Philippians, the second chapter. If y'all don't keep moving, we ain't going to get through this. We're going to take several weeks. <laughs> Philippians, the second chapter, verse 5. Or verse 5. Yeah, Philippians 2, verse 5. Where's the Philippians? We should read the whole thing, but we don't have that kind of time. But, verse 5, Let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, the, the authority. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now before we get to the exalted part, let's talk about the humility part. Because that is what's most relevant for each and every one of us. Jesus, before he was in the flesh, had authority to set creation in motion. Jesus, when he walked in the flesh, set aside that authority to say, I can only do as I see my father do. And I always used to wrestle with that. Because oftentimes, if you read John, it almost sounds like he's purposely downgrading himself. I know, it's, it's like sacrilege to even talk like that. But he says, who are you calling good? There is none good except my father. He is constantly downgrading himself. But the reason is, is because the Jesus that is part of creation is not a picture that we, as a fallen man, can follow. But when Jesus walked the earth and said, I can only do as my father does, 
I can only speak what he's given me the authority to speak. I can only move by his grace. I can only do as he calls for me to do. Is now a picture for each and every one of us that as a new creature in Christ, male or female, that we can now walk the same way Christ did when he walked the earth. And he knows how we are. So now we can walk by the same grace that he walked with. We can speak with the same authority that the Father, as the Father gave him, the same things he gives us to do. In other words, the Jesus that's part of creation is a hard act to follow. But the Jesus that walked the earth, he gave us not only the pattern to be able to follow him, but then he went to the Father and gave us his spirit to give us the ability to follow him. So this Jesus downgraded himself, humbled himself, suffered and died, but because his obedience, God exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name. You name it, he's above it. You name a situation, he's above it. And at one point, every knee will bow. It's not going to be optional. That is important for us. Now, before we jump to the next part, let me explain that, because that's a little tricky. There are some things that are uh, in immediate compliance. All things are under his authority, but there are some things that are in immediate compliance. Like, for instance, angels, all the things that he has direct authority over in heaven. But what about earth? Is he still in charge? The answer is yes. But as an act of grace, instead of in, invoking, here I am, every knee shall bow, we live in a space to where you've heard the word. How are you going to respond to it? There will be one day when everybody will bow to Jesus Christ. But we're living in a space, in a time to where we hear his word and we voluntarily lay down our lives and say we acknowledge you as Lord. There will be a day when that is not a voluntary action, that is a demanded action. You will have to give an account to Jesus Christ with whom we have to do. The choice is whether you choose life and eat off the tree of life or do you choose death and continue to go down the road of disobedience and rebellion? A lot of people say, well, if God is such a good God and a loving God, then why does he send people to hell? But the actual answer is, after the dispensation of grace from Jesus Christ, we are given the opportunity to be restored, reconciled to the Father through faith in him. If we reject his sacrifice for each and every one of us, then we basically align ourselves to hell. That's the choice. So while we live in this and everything that's under the authority of man, we live in something that God says, okay, well, they have the agency to make a decision. And oftentimes, especially in this room, we have made some bad decisions. There is nothing more demoralizing than sitting with a couple who's grieving because they just lost their child. Especially if they lost their child through a violent act or they lost their child to an illness that could not be taken care of. It is, it is heartbreaking 
to sit down with those people. Because they may love the Lord, but in their grief and in their anger, one of the things that they say is, why would he let this happen? Let me advise you, especially if you're in ministry or going in ministry, that unless you have good discernment, that is not the best time. Men, because men love to solve problems. You know, women just, I'm going to tell you about my day. We try to fix it. And they're like, shut up. I just want you to listen to the day. And then it's over. We try to fix it. So when you go with that mentality into a situation where somebody is grieving and they say, why did this happen? And you say, well, because sin is in the earth. You're not really helping in that moment. Even though you're speaking the truth. We have the agency to go out and make decisions and not all of them are good. However, there is an overlying authority that says, okay, you release this action but you don't release its consequences. Let me explain to you how that works. There were 11 brothers, 10 brothers really, that did not like their little brother who came out there talking about all you guys are going to bow to me. So they put him in a pit and then they sold him into slavery and then they told their dad that he was dead. And so for years and years and years, his dad was believing that he was dead. Eventually, long story short, they all had this great big family reunion and the son that was rejected told them what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. So even though their intention and their agency and their decisions were for evil towards Joseph, God says, I'm going to take your actions and reap a different harvest from them. That is why there are people that are in here that have been abused, that have been through all sorts of hardship, and people meant it towards you for evil. And God says, let me work something out to make him stronger. Let me bring something out of this situation to teach him compassion or teach her compassion. You'd be surprised at how this ministry is with all the things that have come against it before Eagle's Nest was even a word. And it was to teach compassion. There was a completely different result than what man intended. So you can have the agency, and we do, in order to go out and cause harm and do something bad. But God says, through your misdeeds, I can still bring about change and glory in the lives of the people that are on this earth. So yeah, you may have the agency to make a decision. But God has the authority to override the consequences. Amen. Ephesians, the first chapter. I should read it off the board. Y'all got me all excited and I'm trying to be mindful. <laughs> Ephesians, the first chapter, verse 15. Who are we talking about? Jesus Christ. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, Jesus. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him 
at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in with that which is to come. In other words, you name something that has power and Jesus has authority over it. As much as we like to show our disdain for the Department of Corrections in Arizona, and we have some reasons to complain about it, but if we stop looking at it as this is evil authority trying to do something to me and start looking at it as Jesus has authority over all, what is he working out despite the intentions of man? Then we start realizing that that prison brought about a change that if we had not gone, we probably would have been in a grave somewhere or in a much worse situation. And so that prison, even though we went there because of our consequences, no longer is man is out to get me, but what is God working in me through going through that experience in which he has authority over even though they made their own decisions. I hope the wheels are clicking because I'm going to have to stop in a second. But you start looking at all the situations you've been through and you go, okay, this person meant this, but Jesus is above all. Lord, what is it that you have worked in me despite the actions of these people that were hateful, that were harmful, that were evil, that were malintended, but you allowed me to survive to this moment? What is it through that experience that you are bringing out in me in order to stand where I am right now? Real quiet in here. I hope that means everybody's thinking. That, that Jesus being the authority over my life doesn't mean he says and I go, but the fact that he is the authority over all, and so no matter what it is that I've chosen to do, no matter what it is that I am going through, that Jesus is still overriding whatever man intended in order to work out something in my life that is for my edification and his glory. I need to finish reading this. Verse 22, he has put all things under his feet and gave him, what is that? Go away. <laughs> he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. In other words, the one who is in authority over everything except for the Father is Jesus Christ. He is also the head of the church. And it, doesn't ref it just refers to it as not only the church, but the body. In other words, he can speak from authority to situations that are not connected to him, but he still has authority over but he is connected to the body of Christ, which we all are a part of. In other words, we're not separate from his authority. We are not only under his authority, but at times the conduit for his authority to be exercised on earth for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Does this mean that you can go out and, and, and just start barking at everything? Not necessarily unless Jesus tells you to, but it does put context 
to if you speak to this mountain, if you have faith of a mustard seed and you speak to this mountain, not if you go push the mountain because that's force, but if you speak to the mountain, that is authority. And if you have the faith of a mustard seed and you tell this mountain it needs to move, then it will move. Not because you want to go out there and flex your authority, but what it is saying is that as long as you acknowledge and are under my authority and you understand what authority is, then when I tell you to move something that seems to be impossible, all I have to do is put the word in your mouth to speak. It has no choice but to move. You say, well, how does that work? Hmm. When Jesus overrided the authority of natural law, which he's done several times, he didn't belay the authority of natural law. He overrided it. See, if I'm a lieutenant and I go out and I say, um, Bob's a corporal. I say, Corporal Bob, go dig that ditch. Yes, sir. The appropriate response is yes, sir, and then to go dig the ditch. However, General Kevin comes and says, belay that order. I want you to stay right there and guard the door. Well, whose authority now supersedes whose? The general supersedes my authority. So natural law has a certain authority that gravity works a certain way. Things happen a certain way. Jesus said, I understand natural law, but Peter said, if it's you, bid me come to you on the water. And Jesus spoke a word. He spoke an order to Peter to come, but that word also meant that he could supersede natural law and walk on water, which he is not supposed to do. But because he was under the authority of Christ to come to him, that superseded the authority of natural law. So he now is operating under a different authority, steps outside of the boat and begins to do something that is not legal for man to do. And the only reason why he failed is because he started giving authority to that which Christ had trumped. <clears throat> Boy, I wish I had time to preach this. Because there are some storms in our life, some things that are constantly trying to say, come back to this addiction, come back to this problem, come back to look at this picture, come back to this issue. And we're giving it authority instead of looking at Christ and say, you called me to walk on the water. I don't know how I'm doing this. I don't know how this is supposed to work, but I'm going to continue to focus on you and do that which man said is not possible to do. With man, things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. What does this mean for the believer? Two things. I need to close. So two things. Number one, judgment begins at the house of God first. So if we understand the authority of Jesus Christ, we ought to be the living picture of understanding and walking in that authority as we're on the earth. So Jesus starts with the church first because he's like, you give lip service to me, but your hearts are far from me. Something to be mindful of. But the other side of that is Jesus came and spoke to them, Matthew 28, 18, and says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, Go ye therefore, because all authority is given to Christ. That's the platform that you launch from to then begin to spread the church. Not your authority, not surrendering to the authority of the Sanhedrin, 
not, a, not submitting to the authority of the Romans. You're not given power by the authority of natural law. Jesus says, all authority is given to me on heaven and earth. Go in that authority and begin spreading the church. And really the church's message is, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, Christ is in charge and he has all authority and you have a decision. Are you going to live in repentance and be reconciled to Jesus? Or are you going to live in rebellion and basically sign your own judgment warrant? What does this mean for the non-believer? The same choice. Really, that's our message. You either be reconciled or you understand that you're in rebellion. But understand the love of the Father. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, it's not just aligning ourselves. It's God giving the grace so that we can be restored through his power because that's his ultimate picture for each and every one of us. Be reconciled unto God. It's up to man to make that choice. And if you make the choice to stay with the devil, well, then you go to the place that was created for the devil and his angels. The devil does not get an arm of redemption extended to him. His judgment is already sealed. But man has the very sacrifice of Jesus Christ poured out for man only so that man can rise above the deception and no longer be under the authority of the devil, under the authority of death, and under the authority of hell, but now can be realigned to the authority that he was called to walk in, and that is the authority of God his Father. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, the name above all names, we pray that you help us to understand and then to gravitate to your authority more and more in our life. Help us to not listen to the authority of addictions, the authority of our circumstances, the authority of those things that we used to submit to. But help us, Lord, to bring all of our concerns, all of our issues, all of whatever it is that we are to your throne and submit ourselves to your authority. And not because you are some distant God who just gives orders but remains distant, but because you are the God of great grace who not only has extended your arm of salvation to each and every one of us, but you have also extended your spirit, the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead and has caused your spirit to dwell in each and every one of us. Father, we thank you for such a great and grand opportunity and we pray that as we grow in understanding of the authority of Jesus Christ, that we continue to place ourselves at his feet. We thank you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Would you all stand? This is a massive subject which we can't even do justice in natural terms. But as, as I was told this over and over and as I'm meditating over the course of the week, actually several weeks, about even how to go about this, and this is a daunting task, it wasn't so much I was shown how to go about it. 
as much as I was shown what the outcome is intended for. And the outcome is for men and even women in this congregation and those who hear whatever God is sharing through each and every one of us to be able to actually acknowledge the authority of Jesus Christ and to begin to gravitate in walking in the authority of Jesus Christ and leaving the assumed authority of all the things that try to exhort authority over them so that now their life is God's demonstration of his authority and power and those things which try to exert authority over you now fall under Jesus name Paul writes all things are lawful to me but I will not be brought under the power of any that's not just addiction to cigarettes or addiction to drugs or pornography that's something that says you need to do this that could be an addiction to food that could be an addiction to exercising over exercising where's Brian um, that could be that could be any number of things that try to say you need to put me before you put your God and God says you shall have no other gods before me. and that is the natural order that we were created to fall under so as we grow and understand his authority and understand that it is not something that is ad, uh, adversarial towards us but it is something that not only we were created for but it is to our advantage to fall under then we will realize that all the things that we deal with are not for us to deal with it's for him to deal with and us to walk in his grace I do think and I have seen that understanding Christ's authority could be transformative to those of us in the church that struggle with things that keep trying to keep us in chains. And we can release those chains and that false authority and stand in the authority that we were called for. So hopefully you let this resonate, not just because Sekou said so, who is Sekou? Let this resonate because hopefully in your spirit, God's spirit has spoken to you and said, it's time for chains to be broken. It's time for everything in your life that is trying to get you to make it. You're, you're trying to, it's trying to become your master. And you only have one master, one Lord, and that's Jesus Christ. So whatever it is that God opens your heart to and opens your mind to, not just today, but as the course of the week, be thinking about his authority over your life and his authority through your life. And all we have to do is just line up with him. And he's not against us. He is for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Would you all lift your hands for the benediction? Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Let the church say, Amen, and God bless you.